Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, I don't know if he's got any medals on him or if he could make it through a metal detector at an airport, but here he is. Uh, hello, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. You can push that mic back this way just How's there. That? you go. Good. The wind blew me all the way here. I'm not sure that I'll be able to make it home. Did you have the sail at full tilt? <laughs> I did. Wow. I was in one of those wind wagons, you know, wow. that I talked about. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. yeah, You know, that reminds me, I thought of that last night. You're, Honest you're, to yeah. goodness, I was sitting there. How did they ever stop those things? Well, it was a wind like last night. You'd be all the way to California probably in about two days. Yeah, <laughs> holy smokes. Anybody you have to thank this morning? Uh, not today, but uh, yeah, I did. I have gotten a few messages this past week, but I forgot to write down their names. <laughs> so I will next week. Well, I will. just say it this way to all the people I forgot their names. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Yes. So, so Zeb, we're going to talk about uh, the scourge of the Old West. Scourge of the Old West. Yeah. You see, that had to be well, okay, I'm not, not a sure. person. It wasn't a sickness, was it? Smallpox. Oh, yes, yeah, it was. Smallpox. I mean, that was called the scourge of the West, and especially to the Indians. Yes. Uh, it attacked whole tribes that left few survivors. It has afflicted the Native Americans since it was carried to the Western Hemisphere by the Spanish clear back in the 16th century, wow. way back. Wow. Uh, but it was particularly deadly to the Plains Indians because none of these tribes had been exposed or developed an immunity, and the Indians actually called it rotting face. That's what they referred Ooh. to it because of the these sores and pustules that break out on the skin, and, and it would look like if somebody had it real bad, that their face was actually rotting away. Did, at that time, most people that contracted this, did they pass away? Yeah, we'll get to those figures okay. kind of as we go along here. You know, uh, and it could be contacted uh, human to human by sneezing, coughing, and through the clothing of a person infected. There had been a catastrophic epidemic in uh, about 1781, another one about 1801 on the plains that nearly wiped out the Mandan Indians. But the worst one was the 1837 ep- epidemic, and it was kind of the coup de grace, if you want to call it that. That was kind of the, the really bad one. So this epidemic began in 1836, and it lasted until 1840. So about four years there, it was it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually reached its height in the spring of 1837. Now, an American fur company steamboat uh, called the St. Peter's was plowing its way up the Missouri River to a trading post called Fort Clark. Now, on board were some infected passengers, including three Arikara women who got off the boat. Now, why Captain Bernard Pratt, skipper of the St. Peter, refused to quarantine those suspected of being affected... Uh, w- w- that would kill thousands is a big question. Why he knew that these people were sick? Okay, now, but he did, didn't quarantine. Did them. most people of the old west at that time did they know and observe and understand what it was? Not really, not really. I don't think they understood the 
uh, how infected you could become even and uh, even days and weeks I after. So, but uh, anyway, so on that uh, steamboat, the St. Peter's, uh, they stopped, and that evening a big celebration was held in the nearby nearby Mandan village. The next morning, the St. Peter's, the steamboat, headed upstream for Fort Union and bringing with it the deadly virus everywhere it stopped. And, you know, they had to stop to get wood, uh, you know. But the only explanation for this uh, Captain Pratt's action was simply greed. He was more interested in avoiding any delay in the schedule he just wanted to get there you know, and and get the the money the pay now the mandan they suffered the worst losses the smallpox spread quickly through the area in july of 1837 the mandan population was about 2000 okay and uh so that's july by october the survivors numbered less than 30 Oh wait a minute! Only thirty Are out you of two thousand. Yeah, almost uh, more than like ninety-eight percent. Yeah, ninety-eight yeah. point something percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a guy named Francis Chardon, commander at Fort Clark for the American Fur Company, and he wrote, "Quote: Only twenty-seven Mandans were left to tell the tale." Out of about and nothing was done because they didn't know what to do. Not well. Was there we'll, anything to well, do? Well, we'll kind of talk about that there, uh, about inoculations. Okay, we'll get to that a little bit. But you know, more than seventeen thousand Native Americans along the Missouri River died. Oh, some tribes like the Mandan pretty much became extinct. Uh. The smallpox epidemic of eighteen thirty-seven, thirty-eight, all but wiped out the Mandan and severely reduced the Arikara, the Hidatsa, who also lived in fortified villages along the Missouri River. Now, they farmed uh, corn, beans, and squash uh, with buffalo hunting sometimes, but the buffalo hunting tribes who didn't farm and whose isolated bands, they weren't hit as hard by this, pand- by this epidemic. So they were out, you know, more isolated, and so they survived better. Now, there was a longboat heading up the Marius River to Fort McKenzie, carried the dreaded disease to the Blackfeet Indians. Up to then, they had been one of the most warlike of the Western tribes, and the main enemy to the American mountain men who tried to trap beaver in their lands. Uh, but it's estimated about two-thirds of, of the uh, Blackfeet were also wiped out, about wow. two-thirds. Now, about half of the Assiniboine and the Arikara, a third of the Crow, and a quarter of the Pawnee perished by by the time 1840 hit. So in these last three years or four, uh, a, a lot of them had died. Now, the Plains Indians upstream from the Arikara had been denied access to the 1832 federal vaccination program by the Secretary of War. Now, ironically, that was the same year steamboats began hauling supplies and furs for the trading posts on the Missouri River. So they, vaccination was available, but they denied that to some of the Indians. Now, uh, a trader at Fort Union wrote, quote, Sucks a stench in the fort that it could be smelt at a distance of 300 oh, yards. my goodness. Bodies were buried in mass graves. Some were tossed into rivers, which further spread. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Now, somebody had written a book or a story about this, and I remember that uh, maybe it's this riverboat captain that you were talking about. When the people died, he just put their bodies and their corpses in the river. Yeah, and so obviously that's going to spread the disease oh, even even more so. Why? 
And so over the next three years, the epidemic kind of traversed thousands of miles, reaching from California and up the Pacific Coast all the way to Alaska. Now, you don't think of Alaska as having smallpox, but they did. Really? It spread that bad. Uh, Now, there's a story told of a great warrior who watched helplessly as his parents, his wife, and children died to this, what they call, rotting face. He war-painted his pony and himself. He grabbed his lance, rode out to the top of a small butte, looked up at the sky, and challenged the cowardly disease, the cowardly disease, to come out and fight him man-to-man like a real warrior. So obviously... You know, th- there was so much unknown about about the disease. But some came down with it, and some didn't. Right, and so and and we'll survive. Uh, yeah, there was the survivors. So, but you know, among the diseases that the Europeans transmitted to the Indians, smallpox was actually the absolutely the worst. Mm. I mean, this ugly disease, sometimes called variola, it spread like wildfire through the eastern tribes. In fact, there's a Reverend Cotton Mather. Okay, you've heard of him regarding the uh, witch trials. Oh, okay. yeah. Carton yeah. Mather. And uh, he kind of uh, illustrates the attitude toward this tragedy, kind of an unchristian-like observation. He says, quote, The Indians in these parts had newly, even about a year or two before, been visited with such a prodigious pestilence as carried away not a tenth, but nine parts of ten, yea, tis said, nineteen of twenty among them, so that the woods were almost cleared of those pernicious creatures to make room for a better growth. Oh, my In goodness. other words, he's saying, this was all just fine to oh let, let the 90% of these Indians die so that we can have the land. I mean, kind of a... Unbelievable. Unbe- yeah. But the smallpox virus was transported in all directions by traders and the Indians, for a hundred years, the fur trade brought Canadian merchants in contact with all the tribes, so they were going from tribe to tribe, you know. Well, if they traded in blankets, oh, yeah. wouldn't that be exposing it to other exactly. people? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, in 1780, the disease was so bad in Mexico and Texas and east to New Orleans, by the time the Comanches had horses, as did the Shoshones, and it's probable that the horse travel helped spread the disease more rapidly. Because, you know, now they were able to travel over long distances. And with wandering plains tribes doing business and raiding over long distances, uh, their contact with one another and with the less mobile tribes probably conducted the disease from one location to another. And this may have been the first epidemic to strike the plains Indians, but it was by, by no means the last. Now... A few years ago, I, uh, there was a guy named Keith Crane uh, from Burley that uh, has a huge collection of arrowheads. And he pointed out one arrowhead, and he said, this arrowhead was found over here along the Snake River. And he said, the only place you can find this uh, stone for an arrowhead is in Florida. Oh, my. So the point is, trading went through all the tribes, clear from the east, south, west, north. So there was communication. With, with all of these tribes. If a tribe and or individuals contracted smallpox, how many actually lived through the experience? That, that's a good question. And 
some probably had no symptoms. Some may have had a, maybe a mild case to where they were able to survive. Uh, but uh, let me just ex- uh, tell you what, it, uh, you know, what it is. It's actually characterized by a two-week incubation period of fever and just general tiredness, followed by a kind of a pustular eruption all over the body, uh, a severe fever, and then, of course, itching of the skin. The skin blisters, or the what they call bulla, filled with fluid. Then they burst, and they crust over. And the Native Americans uh, called the disease another name. They called it, quote, many scabs, oh because my. that's what it did. Yeah. Now, smallpox was highly contagious. It was easily transmis- transmitted uh, through body fluids or even dust in the air. Really? If you were... You know, in a tribe, and you know, it could even be transmitted through. Do the- you remember that movie with Kevin Costner and Robert Duvall? Yeah. And they, Robert Duvall saw this. Uh, he was trading with the Indians and everything, and he was kind of an old scamp. Saw him coming, and they ended up shooting the guy because he was a spreader of right. smallpox. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, but you know, like say, even from the dust of the air, but scales from the skin of an infected person were highly infective, and oh they actually retained the smallpox virus for weeks even after the person died and worst of all the disease had no effective treatment nothing they, they there's nothing they could do for it now in, in addition to the harm of the disease itself it was almost impossible for the afflicted person not to scratch the lesions the oh. sores and open up these raw surfaces to more infection oh my uh, which and then the infection was often fatal so yeah. if the smallpox didn't get you the infection could now among other complications that led to death were hemorrhage and pneumonia and those who survived were often left really scarred badly scarred oh, yeah. all over their body now, a few Indian tribes suspected that they'd been infected with, as you said, many scabs deliberately. Uh, stories circulated that immigrants were giving the Indians blankets from sick beds. In some instances, the whites capitalized on the Indians' fear of the disease to manipulate them. And an example is that there was a Mr. McDougall. And he was an early settler on the Pacific coast, and he found himself in a confrontation with a large group of Indians. And he called the chiefs together, and he said, quote, The white men among you are few in number, but they are mighty. I hold the smallpox safely. And he pulled out a small bottle and held it up, and he said, I have but to draw the cork and let loose the pestilence to sweep man, woman, and child from the face of the earth, the chiefs, you know, with their limited knowledge, they were horrified. And after that, they called McDougal the great smallpox chief, like as if he had the power to, to spread this over to all these tribes. Well, certain years were particularly bad for the smallpox. In 1833, a party of crows met a caravan of six immigrants who unsuccessfully attempted to warn them off. And after some of the crows became infected, uh, fear scattered the people over the countryside. This panicked escape, escape may have prevented a few Indians from catching the disease, but many of them still died. What was the motivating factor to spread the disease? That is a good question. I, I have no idea why a trapper or a mountain man or anybody would, unless they just felt like the Indians were the enemy and let's, let's wipe them out. Wow. So, But, you know, it's estimated that only about one in six or seven of those infected ever recovered. My, my, So uh, uh, then uh, this one guy that reported, he said, quote, more than a thousand fingers are said to have been cut off by the relatives of the dead 
amputation of fingers as a memorial to the loss of a loved one was a common act of grief among Native Americans. You know, you're pretty gruesome this morning. I know, don't. <laughs> Mom. Well, I, I'm not done. Well, oh, I'm almost done, thank my. goodness, right? Yeah. So this guy named Denig, who was actually a survivor of smallpox, and he, this is his description of this episode. He said, a thousand souls contracted the disease at the same time, reducing them to 30 lodges. Other bands coming in caught the infection. The dead were daily thrown into the river by cartloads. Oh my. A singular characteristic of this disease was that two-thirds or more died before any eruption appeared, before any symptoms. This event was always accompanied by hemorrhages from the mouth and ears. The fever rose to a pitch of frenzy. An Indian near the fort named Little Dog, after losing his favorite child, proposed to his wife to kill the whole family before they were so much disfigured as to prevent a disgusting appearance in the future world. She agreed with the stipulation that he should kill her before the children. Oh, my goodness. That's how fearful and deadly it was. Now, this, other, this same guy, he goes on to say that some of the sick Indians were treated in the fort with purging and bleeding. And, of course, we know that doesn't work. And they, they all died. So nobody really knew. No. Now, despite the kind of compassionless attitude that many of the whites expressed toward the Indians' uh, plight, most white people were concerned about the sick Indians and actually did try to help. So there was some help. When the gross ventures on the Milk River were infected with smallpox in 1869, the government provided a hospital with blankets, supplies, and medicine. Nevertheless, there were 741 of the gross ventures that died. The Indian agent, a guy named A.S. Reed, advised the Indians to scatter their lodges, which would be a you know, and that actually helped. Yeah. You know, it was a spread out. Uh, 25 miles away, there was a Dr. Ash of General Sheridan's staff, and in an attempt to stop the epidemic, he vaccinated and moved the River Crow tribe across the Missouri River, and only 35 of them died. You said that the smallpox, uh, a lot of the records you were referring to started like in the 1830s? Uh, well, clear back to the 16th century. Okay, but then it progressed uh, to 1830, and then all the way up to 1869. Right. There was like wow. three, like three epidemics. Now, so vaccine was actually introduced by a guy named Edward Jenner in the year 1796. And what he did, he observed that milkmaids who previously had caught cowpox did not catch smallpox. Okay, because they got it from the cow. So they, they maybe they had a sore on their got hand. Got it from the cow or the milk? No, the cow, from the from the uh, sore on the cow's udder. I see. Okay, and it showed that the vaccine, uh, this cowpox vaccine, prevented smallpox. And he was not the first. There were some others that came up with this idea. But uh, So basically what you did, you took fluid from an infected person, and you uh, would uh, kind of puncture the skin and put this... We would call it an attenuated version of the virus. In other words, a weakened form of the virus. I see. And actually, uh, uh, in the United States here, and I think maybe worldwide, uh, vaccination for smallpox stopped about 1972. But they figured that in the 1900s, over 300 million people worldwide. Oh, my. So we're talking Europe, uh, South America, uh, everywhere. Over 300 million from smallpox. And now it's pretty much 
you know, non-existent. As, as when you say pretty much, they said the same thing about polio, but it's coming back. Yeah. Um, who knows? I yeah, mean, uh, really. <clears throat> I, I guess the question is um, some of these old diseases may have changed just enough to cause problems in the future. So, you know. So there's a mutation. Possibly. I mean, yeah. I'm not a scientist in that respect, but, you know, I just think uh, I, I think we are more aware of, you know, if uh, like smallpox and yeah. uh, these things uh, as ways to hopefully prevent and, and treat. Was it prominent mostly in warmer climates? Or was it up north uh, in... Uh, you know, it did get to Alaska, so oh, okay. and, it, and it was across the northern plains here. Okay. So even though we had winters, you know, cold, cold winters, uh, you would almost think that maybe the cold would help slow it down. Yeah. I, but I don't know that. I don't know. Wow, that was terrible. It, it really was. And terrible. To, to watch your family of, you know, to lose... You know, 98% of your tribe. Yeah. You know, that's your family, your friends, your neighbors. What was that tribe you said they only had 30 left? What was the name Mandans. Of the, did they ever come back as a tribe? You know, that's a good question. I, I wondered had. about that because I, I think they have. Yeah, back in the Dakotas. Yeah, yeah. so I think there are uh, a goodly number of the, of the Mandans still wow. around that have survived. Wow. So. When was the vaccine basically available for the entirety of the United States? Uh, boy, that would have been... You know, probably in the, I'm going to say, well, this guy in 1796, as Edward Jenner, came up with the vaccine. But to be widely available, it probably was more like into the mid-1800s. Wow. Uh, Well, it was a gruesome story, but part of the Old West. Oh, let me show you pictures, Ed. Oh, oh, that's there's a, there's a person that's that completely is so disgusting. That poor person. Covered, yeah. Oh my goodness sakes! And no escape from the oh. pain. So. Listen, uh, you always put forth an excellent product, Doctor History, and thank you for coming by. You're welcome. Sir. All right, my dear day. friend. Thank you, Doctor History. Every Tuesday, right here on Zebit the Ranch, and we really appreciate him. Sometimes the stories are a little graphic, and uh, all part of the truth of the Old West. <laughs>